Gospel according to Mark, the 12th chapter. One of the scribes came near and heard Jesus and the Sadducees disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and besides him there is no other, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one neighbor, one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. I invite you to be seated. Today's All Saints, and um, for those of you who maybe don't know, uh, these banners that surround you today are part of a tradition started many decades ago of writing the names of those from our congregation or immediate families who have passed away each year onto the banners, and we remember them as we look at these names, and I just, it's a tradition of this congregation that I, I just love. What are saints? Saints aren't just people in the Bible or in church history who did great things. Saints are not only people who died for the faith, nor are they people who were perfect in their ways. They were not. The word saint comes from a Greek word that means holy one, which comes from a Hebrew word that means set apart for the Lord's use. Each and every one of us in baptism has been set apart, consecrated, named, called, and commissioned to be God's children, partners, and co-workers for the sake of the world. We are all saints. And we are surrounded by saints every day. Ordinary, imperfect people who provide nourishment when we're ill or weary with discouragement who renew our souls with hope. I wish I could talk about every one of these saints this morning. Every one of them has stories that need to be told. Clarence Roeder was one of those people. Having Clarence in our lives was a, like a little taste of heaven where God's goodness gets experienced beyond time or measure. I often felt in his presence like I had suddenly stumbled into a party. You know, some marvelous celebration, kind of like that mountaintop feast that Isaiah describes, where it is said, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow and well-aged wines strained clear I feel like I'm at that kind of party, and I've been declared the guest of honor. And I'll bet 
Those of you who knew Clarence know that he, I experienced feeling that way too. That he was always sort of lifting us up, honoring the very best in us, encouraging us, inviting us to savor the blessings in our own lives. He would reach out and he would gently, you know, take you by the arm or pat you on the shoulder and smile in a way that flooded our hearts with sunlight. And he would praise us and affirm us and give thanks for us. How many times did I hear him say, for example, Carmen, now that's his wife, Carmen is a saint. I don't know what I'd do without her. She is such a blessing. It's a wonder she puts up with me. You know, if you tell people daily that they're saints and appreciated, I bet you they treat you a little more saintly. He noticed our accomplishments, even the little ones. He celebrated them. He would ask with keen interest how we were doing, how our families were doing, and then he would listen intently to the answer. And he was constantly smiling and nodding and chuckling in that way that made his shoulders kind of shake with glee. Even in the midst of suffering, there was joy. And plenty of time for coffee and another slice of one of Carmen's pies. He had great intuition and the uncanny ability, I think, to say the perfect thing in any given moment or situation. He had a way with people, particularly if we were feeling nervous or shy. His words were measured, reflective, well-chosen, and delivered with an unhurried gentleness that made him seem wise and serene all the time. He went through life with quiet confidence, managed to lead without being obvious about it. He was a peacemaker who excelled in finding gentle solutions in easing tensions, often employing a rather dry sense of humor I'm told he never raised his voice or used a foul word ever. He could get along with anybody. How did he get that way? Clarence thought, well, he said, maybe it's probably, you know, it's all those years he worked in his parents' grocery store and diners because he said, you know, those customers were our livelihood and you had to find a way to get along and tolerate them, you know. It was important. And maybe that's how he learned these skills, or maybe it was just the essence of his soul, a soul steeped in God's grace. One day, a scribe overhearing a debate between Jesus and the Sadducees asks Jesus this question, which commandment is the first or the greatest of all? And Jesus said the first was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commandments greater than these. Gordon Hinckley made a sincere effort, I think, to do both of those things. I'm not saying he wasn't obstinate or opinionated because you know he was. But he really tried to love and serve God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he loved us, too, in spite of our own quirks and failings. 
He read the Bible daily. He loved studying God's word. He loved teaching it to other people. He loved the Lord. He loved the church. His passion, I think, was leading other people to faith. He taught Sunday school off and on all of his adult life, and he took the Bible at face value. If it said the world was 6,000-something years old, well, then it was 6,000-some-odd years old. And if it said Noah fit samples of every living creature on the earth into a boat called the ark, then that is exactly what happened. And he would search out sources and back it up. We didn't always agree. At least Gordon and I didn't always agree. But he was willing to listen to a different opinion. He was always respectful enough to really listen and consider what we had to say. And then, of course, he had spent the rest of his life taking every opportunity he could to persuade us of the error of our ways ever so gently. In the last couple decades of his life, he became sort of a sage. His kids tell me maybe he wasn't always so sage-like in their younger years, but... You know, he mellowed. We keep changing. He was somebody we could go to for advice on life, and his calm, kind presence and steady logic seemed to impart peace and strength when we needed it the most. The ability to love God and to love neighbor is a gift of faith. It isn't something we just decide we're going to do or will ourselves into That very desire to love God and to love others is a result of the gift of the unconditional love that God has first given us. God loves us and therefore we can love. And with that love comes joy and a zest for life and for all of creation. Tom Carmichael was one of those people who definitely had a zest for life who embraced the freedom that comes from the knowledge of God's grace. He liked to tell his college students how he had repeated the 12th grade three times because he was always cutting class to go to a pool hall and play pool or to play hockey, both of which he loved. He assured his students that any mischief they could think of he had already done. He was smart and inquisitive And he wanted to know all he could about the world and about science. And he couldn't wait to share his discoveries with everybody around him. He was always teaching. He was also always gracious, giving his students and all the rest of us the benefit of the doubt and lots of second chances. Because, well, you know, life is hard enough without your professor setting up roadblocks, he would say. That is loving others as we love ourselves when we can set aside our own need to be powerful or important and make room for the success of someone else. Jesus told his followers on another day, this is my command for you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you should all love one another. And by this, they will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. There are a lot of ways of showing love. Some people express it with words. Others give gifts. God often uses food, inviting us to the table, offering us the bread of life, spreading a banquet before us, feeding the multitudes. Cherry Melander was like that. 
She was on a mission to fill us up to the brim with comfort and food. Cherry even fed the birds and the stray cats and maybe a few stray possums. Go, driving back to her house at expected times every day because she said, well, she knew these critters would be waiting for her. The trunk of her car was filled with bags of bird seed and cat food and dog food, and we aren't sure what was eating the dog food, but because something ate it, she kept setting it out. She loved an excuse to feed us, too, and she would cook for anyone at any time. And if any of us were sick, she showed up with a big pot of chicken noodle soup. She prepared and packed up hundreds of meals for Uplift. That's a program that puts together sack lunches for the homeless and distributes them under bridges in the city. She would bake 24 casseroles at a time to feed the homeless. And when she came here to Lutheran Church of the Resurrection, she joined our Saturday's Miracle Breakfast team. She'd stand at the stove whipping up scrambled eggs, serving up the sausage gravy, just a few weeks before she died, she was really worried and fretting because she couldn't stand that long anymore. And then she was cheered because her daughter suggested, well, you know, you could use a stool, Mom. <laughs> Cherry was one of our many church ladies who toted her casseroles and her crock pots wherever she was needed, part of God's own DoorDash delivery. Yesterday, we heard story after story after story about Ted Schrader and his remarkable ministry, ministry in the inner city, ministry reaching out to people in countries south of our borders, ministries seeking justice for laborers. Um, he ministered to us, too, with his friendship and laughter and drive. Even the most mundane daily task, you know, can be an opportunity for saintly activities. Like visiting a neighbor who's having a hard time, getting to know the candidates, and then showing up to vote in the current elections, faithfully fulfilling the duties of our employment to the best of our ability, our volunteer work, creating a home, washing the car, even changing a diaper. You know, too often I hear people say, oh, I can't do much, Pastor, I can't do much. But you know what may seem unspectacular to you? For another person who's on the receiving end, it's priceless. Like kindness and forgiveness and a listening ear and a compassionate heart and loyalty and friendship or the ability to see the beauty in us in spite of our faults. Jesus summed up all of God's law in two commandments about love. Love God first and foremost, and then love others as you love yourself. But he also said, this is my commandment for you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you should love another. And by this they will know that you are my disciples. You know, it isn't easy, right? We fail and we need to be forgiven. Others fail and then it's on us to forgive them. But we keep on trying and every moment that we get it right, 
Heaven breaks through. Heaven. Paul once said, you know, yes, now we know only in part, but then we're going to know fully even as we have been fully known. The life of the saints is now. All saints' day is your day. You are God's holy people, set apart for God's use, sent into this world for one purpose, to love. To love God, to love your neighbor, to love yourself. Amen.